today we're going to be starting a brand new sermon series uh, for the month of February, and it's entitled, When Pigs Fly. And how many of you ever heard that phrase, when pigs fly? It's, it's a sarcastic phrase that a lot of people like to use when they think something's not going to happen. When they don't believe it's really going to happen. And I, I know a guy... Um, He's in this church. I'm not going to say his name. I don't want to embarrass him. But he's t- been telling me for six years he's been wanting to ask this girl out. He told me on January 2nd, he said, this is the year. You know what I wanted to say to him? <laughs> when pigs fly. <laughs> but we're going to lift him up. We're going to pray he gets the courage to do that. Or maybe, church, I want to tell you, if someone in my family comes up to you and tells you that we're going to get another dog, you can tell them when pigs fly, or you can just look at them and say, bless your heart. Either one will be fine. But today we're going to be talking and we're going to talk this whole month about the miracles of Jesus and how they still do have, I'm going to trip my shoestrings untied. I'm sorry. Give me a minute to compose myself. (laughs) I almost tripped four times on already. Anyways, we're going to be talking about the miracles of Jesus and how they still do happen. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 29, it says this, Jesus replied, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures nor the power of God. Church, I believe personally the the word miracle is losing power because of the way that we use it. Just the word itself. You know, how many of you ever go to Walmart and, and the lot's full and you do the old circle? You know what I'm talking about? Up and down the aisles looking for that spot. And then all of a sudden you come down an aisle and there is a front row seat. That's what I was calling my family. I said, look, we get front row seats. The very first parking spot is wide open and you're excited and you pull in there and you're like, man, it's a miracle that we found this spot here today. No, what happened is some lady left And you pulled into that pharmacy spot that is only for people getting pharmaceuticals and you're not even getting one. That's what happened. A miracle is when God in heaven intervenes on earth. That is the definition of a miracle, church. When the God in heaven intervenes on earth. It's when an all-powerful, all-knowing God, an ever-present God, intervenes in your life and in my life. That is a miracle. And I believe that we do still have a miracle working God, church. I believe that with all my heart. Some of you who are sitting here, I've, I've had a front row seat to see the miracle that God has done in your life and the way that he's changed things and who you are today. And you know, how many of you, church, right now, I'm talking about you got something in your life that you would like to see God intervene on your behalf or maybe on the behalf of someone that you love dearly. So all month long, we're going to be talking about different types of miracles. And today, though, what we're going to be talking about is the miracle of deliverance. You know, when God does miracles over the forces of darkness and the powers of evil, it's something to see. You know, a lot of people tell me that they don't believe in demons or the forces of darkness. And you know what, church? I believe, personally, that is the greatest trick the devil has ever played on mankind. It's the spiritual enemy trying to convince us that he does not exist. And there's a lot of people out there today that does not believe that the enemy exists at all. And one of the greatest lies our spiritual enemy tells us is that he is not a force. 
He is not a force fighting against the kingdom of God and the kingdom of his truth. One of the greatest lies he's ever told. In Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to kind of really kick off just this sermon from Ephesians chapter 6. In verse 12, it says this. You've heard it before, church, but I want you to hear it again. It says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of an unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against the evil spirits in heavenly places. Church, Paul is telling us right there. He's saying, this is not a playground. This is not a playground. Church, Christianity is not a playground. It's not. Christianity is a battleground. It's a battlefield. And the natural world that we see, that's not all that there is. Too many times we just get caught up in what we can see. Well, the Bible makes it very clear to us that there is more than that. There's a natural world, then there is a spiritual world. There are both of them. And see, you're not just fighting against flesh and blood enemies. That, that's not who we're actually fighting against. You know your mean boss at work? Ha! <laughs> that's not him. Your in-laws? Nope, that's not them either. You know that person that argues with you on Facebook all the time? That's not your enemy, church. That's not who your enemy is. See, we have a spiritual enemy not a flesh and blood enemy. You know, Ephesians, I want to read it to you one more time, verse six, chapter 6, verse 12. For we are not fighting against the flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of an unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Church, many people believe that a demon is someone, spirit, who has died. I've heard that time and time again. You know, maybe it's a person, your Uncle Joe, he lived a, a horrible, wild life and, and an ungodly life and, and, and he's dead now. And people be like, that's Uncle Joe, he's a demon. No, that's not who demons are. That's not true. Demons are not spirits of the dead, church. Demons are something different than that. If you really want to understand demons, church, you can go to Isaiah chapter 14 or, or you can go to Revelation chapter 12. The Bible explains it very clear there to us. That's what it is. And in Isaiah 14, the Bible tells us it's Lucifer. You know who the enemy is, Lucifer, right? He made five I will statements. I will. Five times he said, I will be like God. Five times Lucifer said that, and you know what God says? Ha, there's no way. Nobody is like me. Nobody is, is like me. So God cast Lucifer out, right? And one-third of the angels who was siding with him cast them out. So what do we know about demons? So there is one devil, and there's many demons. That, that's how it is, church. And what is an angel to God? A demon is to the devil. That kind of gives you a little bit of idea of what we got going on here. But demons do the work of our spiritual enemy. That's what demons do. They do the work of our spiritual enemy in dark realms, trying to take people away from the kingdom of God. That's what they are tasked to do, to take people away from the kingdom of God. And now, there's a lot to think about in this church. There really is. We're just going to scratch the surface today. So where do we get it wrong about demons in the church world? Where does the church kind of get it wrong? A couple of things, just two, two mistakes I'll give you. I'm sure there's a lot more because we make a lot of mistakes, church. 
But two mistakes I think that we make is some people believe there's literally a demon under every single rock. You know, you're sitting in your office, your cell phone falls on the floor, you're like, oh, a demon knocked my phone off the desk. I'd love to blame my cell phone troubles on demons, but really it's my stupidity is what it is. So you can't blame every problem on the dark world. You can't blame every single problem on the dark world. You know, you know, I'm broke. I'm broke because the demons came after me. No, you're broke because you bought a car you can't afford. You spend too much on clothes and you just spent spring break down in Florida and you ain't got that kind of money. That's why you're broke. It, it, it's not the enemy's fault. You know, and, and sometimes, you know, I, the devil made me eat the whole thing. No, you ate that whole box of Twinkies on your own accord. He didn't make you do anything. But in other places, church, we underestimate the power of the dark world. We really do. We underestimate the power of the dark world. Many problems are not caused by the enemy, but there are more problems than I think we realize that are caused by the forces of darkness. I believe there's a lot more. And so what do demons do? I'm going to break it down in three main categories for you today. Demons, the very first thing is this. They tempt you to sin. They will lay that trap for you to sin. Demons tempt you away from that will of God. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26, it says this. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. I like how that says. See, Paul is talking to a group of people here. He's talking to a group of people, and he's basically saying, hey, one day they're going to they're gonna realize One day they're going to come to their senses, they're going to quit being so dumb, and they're going to realize what it is that is going on. Have you ever been, like, talking to somebody? I mean, you're sitting there talking, you're having a casual conversation, and you're really being sucked into it, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that sounds good. And then all of a sudden, they say something, you're going, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, I know what you're doing now. I see exactly what you're doing. That's coming to your senses. You realize like, okay, this sounded good in the beginning. you, You were on the right path there. I was buying everything that you were selling. But all of a sudden, I came to my senses, and I realized you're trying to pull something on me. That's coming to your senses. And Paul was saying they will come to their senses, and they will escape from the devil's trap. Church, when you realize the enemy and the the forces of the dark, when you begin to realize how they work, you can recognize those traps. See, the devil sets up tempting traps that will take us away from God's will. He really does. He will set you up all the time. And Paul was saying that they will escape from that trap when they come to their senses. So what will the demons do? Church, they will communicate in some form or fashion and they will convince us of lies they will convince us of lies they will whisper to you you know like go ahead go ahead and do it you deserve it you deserve it go ahead watch that yeah watch it go ahead and touch it you know go ahead and smoke it church what they do they minimize sin on the front side they minimize that sin on the front side and they tell you like oh everybody's doing that Everyone else is doing it, so it's all right. It's not a big deal. They'll tell you it's not a big deal. They they, they will tell you it's nobody's business. Nobody can tell you how to live, right? How many of you made that statement before? Mostly to your mama. And you say, you know what? It's my life. I'm not hurting anybody else. That's how they minimize sin 
They tell you that you can do it. And when you finally do sin, church, when you finally give into that trap, you know what they do is they no longer minimize it, they maximize it. What they told you was no big deal before is now a big deal. And you'll hear it, God will never love you because of what you did. You'll hear it said, you know, God will never be able to use you. God can't use you. You've ruined your life, and they tempt you, and they take you away from God's will. That's what the forces of darkness will do. So not only do they do that, the second thing they do is they want to distract you. Church, they want to distract you. First Timothy chapter 4. If you look at this in verse 1, it says this, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and the teaching that come from demons. Church, you might know somebody like this. Guess what? You might be someone like this. You know, there was a time where, where, where you were walking with God. I mean, you were strong in your faith. You were doing what God called you to do. You, you felt it, right? You're on that mountaintop high. We talked about that many times from this pulpit. You're on that mountaintop high, and then all of a sudden, the deceiving spirits have led you away from the purity of the gospel into all kinds of crazy thoughts and all kinds of crazy beliefs. Give you an example. I've heard this one I can't tell you how many times. It doesn't matter what you believe. All roads lead to God. Well, the enemy's done a fantastic job of passing that one off. Church, that's not true. That's so not true. Or, 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 you know, people, what they'll do is they'll, you know, I'll take what works for me. You know, I'll take a little bit of Christianity. Let me sprinkle some new age in there. That stuff sounds good, doesn't it? You know, I'll throw a little bit of witchcraft in there. You mix it all up, and then you've got a religion that you like. Church, I want you to know the Bible is not a la carte. It's not. You can't sit there and go through it. I like that. Okay, I'll take some of that. Ooh, I like, I like what Matthew said. Ooh, Ephesians, that's good stuff. You can't go through and pick what you want and say, the rest of it, I don't want it. It's not a la carte. It's all in one. It is God's word. It's all truth. And we are to take it all as truth. But the Bible tells us in the last times, there will be some that will turn away from the true faith. They'll follow deceptive spirits. Church, I've told you a million times from this public, don't you dare for one minute trust what I tell you. You look it up for yourself. I would never deceive you on purpose. I promise you that because I'm going to be held accountable for what I speak for here. It scares me to death. But you know what? I could make a mistake. You pay attention. It, I've heard this one too. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. I've heard that one at the funeral home multiple times. Church, it does matter what you believe. You know, suddenly someone who had pure faith can be taken away by things that aren't true. Things that are, are taught by the dark forces of the enemy, you know, they will tempt you. He will lure you in with stuff that sounds good. And the third thing is this, finally, final thing is this, demons inflict suffering. 
They will inflict suffering. Matthew chapter 17. If you'll look at this with me. I, I know you've read this story before. We've covered it in church. But in Matthew chapter 17, 14 through 60, it says, When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son. He said, He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire, into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Church, you have a dad right here. A dad's heart that is just bleeding for his son. He's hurting for his son. And so what did Jesus do here, church? Well, we know what Jesus did. Jesus does a miracle. You realize that that's who he is? He does miracles over darkness. So what do we know about Jesus? What did Jesus come to this earth to do, church? What exactly did he come to this earth to do? He came to give life and to give it more abundantly, right? God's word tells us that. He came to set captives free. He did not come to serve, but he came to, I'm sorry, he did not come to be served. He came to serve, see? Don't trust what I'm saying. You better check it. (laughs) He came to serve, church, and he gave his life for a ransom. You know what? He came not for the healthy church, but he came for the sick. He came not for the self-proclaimed righteous, but he came for the sinners in church. Jesus came to set people free. Do you realize what Satan's mission is? Satan's mission in John chapter 10, verse 10, it says this, the thief, that's him, the thief. He's the thief. He's not a thief. He's the thief. He only comes to steal and kill and destroy. And Jesus says this, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That is what the prince of darkness is all about. See, church, Satan will try to inflict injury and pain. You know, demons, they may influence depression. You know, they they may influence... In feelings of desperation, they want to destroy your marriage. They want to destroy your testimony. They want to wreck your finances. They want to steal your joy. They want to obliterate your health. Demons want to crush your children like you wouldn't believe. Church, it's not a game. It's not like that little cartoon of that little fat red guy with a red face, pointy tail, horns and a pitchfork no that's not what this is about church these are the forces of darkness they hate God they hate and despise the kingdom of life and and the mission through demonic spirits is to hurt what matters to the heart of God church they want to hurt what matters to the heart of God and nothing matters more to the heart of God than you Nothing matters more to the heart of God than you. So what do we do when we recognize we're in a spiritual battle? So what do we as believers, what do we do when we recognize we're in a spiritual battle? First, we recognize that we're not fighting with our power. I don't care how much you can bench press. I don't care how big your muscles are. I don't care how tall you are. You cannot fight it in your own power. You can't. You're weak. You're weak. But we recognize, church, when we're not fighting with our own power, that we are fighting with the power of Christ. That we are fighting with the power of Jesus Christ. Because in Matthew chapter 10, 
Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, it, it says this. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him, and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. So what did Jesus give them? Jesus gave the disciples authority. Gave them authority. Now, imagine for a moment if I was a police officer with a badge. I'd arrest most of you. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Joking. But imagine if I was a police officer with, with, with a badge. And I, a, a, a semi-truck is coming down the highway, just barreling. And I step out in the middle of the road with my badge. And I say, stop. And he don't. Yeah. I'll be a grease spot. That's what that will be. But you know what? The police officer might not have the physical power. But that badge that he has gives him authority from somebody higher who can execute the law, church. He has authority by a higher power. And church, we have authority by the power in the name of Jesus Christ. We have authority to declare the name above every other name, and that name is Jesus Christ. To which the powers of darkness must answer. You know, each and every one of us, church, if you are a believer in Christ, you do have authority over darkness. You do. This can sound weird to you, and at times it can be very difficult to, to remember. Because you know what happens is, because we're all just trying to get through the day, aren't we? Seriously, we, we, get, we can sit in church and we go, oh yeah, that's right, preacher, you preach it, and, and we say all them things. And, 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 but you know what happens when you get into the week? Sometimes we forget things, don't we? Because we're just trying to get through the day. You know, my wife all the time, she'll say, hey, uh, could you please do this for me today? And I'm like, oh, write it down. She writes it on a sticky note, put that sticky note in my pocket, and guess what? I come home, hey, did you do that? Oh, no, I didn't. I forgot. I forgot. You know why I forgot? Because I'm just trying to get through the day. Ministry can be hard. There's a lot going on, and sometimes I don't remember to call Aunt Agnes and ask her if her kitty cat's okay. I just, she never told me to do that. But I'm just saying, sometimes you get caught up in what is hard, right? Sometimes you get caught up in what is difficult, and you are just trying to get through the day. You know what? You go to work. You, you, you go pay the bills. You come home. You do the dishes. You're, you're trying really hard not to kill your kids because you love them. But sometimes they're like drunk squirrels just running around all over the place. And they're holding you hostage in your own house. They really are. See, but we're all just trying really hard to get through the day. And sometimes we don't often recognize that the powers of darkness are trying to inflict division in our lives. And we forget. Church, don't we? We forget what we have. That we don't have to put up with that. See, the forces of darkness, they're trying to cause division between me and my wife. The, the, the forces of darkness are trying to destroy my children. You know, the forces of darkness are, are, are giving them suicidal thoughts. They are making them angry. They are making them depressed. I'm talking they are cutting. They've got identity issues. That's all from the forces of darkness, church. See, the forces of darkness want us. They want us to be dependent on a chemical. They want us to need a drug to get through. They want us to be dependent, church, on a lustful picture or a video. That you've got to have that. 
want you to depend on something else besides our Heavenly Father, which is what you really need to get through the day. That's what the enemy's trying to do to you. So what do you do, church? When the forces of darkness want you to be a prisoner to something, what is it that you do? When you recognize that every day you are in a spiritual battle, once you recognize every single day of your life is a spiritual battle, I mean, you've got temptation, you've got trials, don't you? There's this big mountain in front of you. I want to encourage you to do a couple of things. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. First, I want you to do what is natural, and I want you to do what is wise. Do what is natural and do what is wise. You pray for a supernatural church. You pray for a supernatural intervention from a miracle working God. You do that first. But then you know what? You also seek out what is around you naturally. You seek out what is around you naturally. If you're battling anxiety, I'm talking about you're having panic attacks, you go to a good doctor. But you also pray, you pray in the name that is above every other name. You pray to that name. You invite the name of Jesus to bring about healing and freedom. If you're struggling with emotional suffering, if you're struggling with distress, you know, someone mistreated you, somebody abused you, someone has caused harm to you, you go to a good Christian counselor. That's what's natural. We got one here, Kim. And she's free. She gets a salary. She gets a salary. It's free for you. But you go to a good Christian counselor and you let them help bring healing to you. And you pray though, church. You pray for deliverance from the demonic forces that are keeping you in bondage. You pray for that. If you have a child rebelling in your life, you got a child in your household that's rebelling, you'd be a wise parent. You take that cell phone and you take that Xbox you take it from them. They're going to hate you. You know, you monitor who their friends are. You pray for divine protection against all the spiritual lies that are bombarding our children daily. That's the natural and the supernatural. Do what is natural when you ask God for the supernatural church. That's what you're called to do. But see, maybe you know someone who's battling drugs or alcohol. Give them to some celebrate freedom, celebrate recovery course whatever it might be. But you know what? We rely on our Heavenly Father for strength and for power to overcome this addiction. That's the natural and the supernatural. So if you are in Christ, church, you'll be prompted to do these things. You really will. You're going to be prompted. But how many of you are listening to the prompts? Are you listening to the prompts? I believe that we are prompted by the light. We really are. I can't tell you how many times that somebody will be on my heart and, and their name just keeps popping up in my head and in my heart, whatever it might be, and I'll reach out to them. I'll send them a text like, hey, I'm thinking about you today, da-da-da. <clears throat> and you know what? They'll send me a text back. Say, I can't believe that you reached out to me right now. Let me tell you what I'm going through right this minute. It was a prompting. But see, we don't always recognize those prompting, and it's important that we follow those promptings. I can't tell you, church, how important it is that we do that. Do you realize the, the difference you can make in somebody's life? If you are in Christ, church, you are a spiritual being. 
You are. You are a spiritual being. Your spirit is connected to God. And so you watch for those promptings. And remember, not everything is physical, church. Many things are spiritual. Many things are spiritual. Maybe the spirit is prompting you today to reach out to someone in church that you haven't seen. Do you realize that they're literally on any given Sunday or Wellsville First Christian Church, since the pandemic happened, there's a hundred people missing. A hundred. And what are we doing? If you think about that person, reach out to them. You take God up on that. See, what did Jesus do when he rose from the dead? What is it that Jesus did when he rose from the dead? One of the things that Jesus did is he defeated darkness. He defeated darkness is what he did. And so what we have to understand, we, we have to understand what darkness is. But first let me tell you what darkness isn't. Darkness is not the opposite of light. It's not. Darkness is not the opposite of light. Darkness is the absence of light. That's what darkness is. It is the absence of light in your life. And who is Jesus? He is the light, isn't he? He's the light of the world, the Bible tells us. So if you are in Christ, the light of Christ dwells in you. John chapter 1, it says this in verse 5. John chapter 1, verse 5, it says this. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Never, church. Never can can it be put out. So light always defeats darkness, and we have authority over darkness in the name of Jesus Christ. So you take authority, church. Verbally speak it if you have to. You rebuke those spirits that are trying to take your kids away. You rebuke the spirits that are trying to rob you of your marriage. You do what is natural, and you invoke the supernatural power of God. So I ask you this morning, church, how many of you are doing that? Are you recognizing that you are in a battleground? I'm talking about seriously. There's so much going on around you. I mean, it is a battleground. There are casualties every day. Can't tell you how many times I've told the staff here, our job, we are at war. This is the frontline trench right here. And as a staff, we recognize sometimes there's casualties. Not everyone's going to make it. You can work hard to bring someone to church that can be here every day. But if they don't recognize who they are in Christ Jesus, they can be a casualty. And so I asked the praise team to come up here this morning. I want to share with you one more verse that comes from Ephesians chapter 6. And I read you verse 12. So I want you to hear it one more time. But I'm going to add verse 13 onto it as well. It says this, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Here's what I love, church. It says this, Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will be standing firm. You will be standing firm. It means he will not take you out. You might become battle-weary, You might get wounded. You might even fall off your feet once. But the Bible says, then, 
after the battle, you will still be standing firm. And church, we must, church, we must put on that full armor of God. Some of you, you're trying to fight with nothing. I know you're a tough guy. But God says we have to have it. I'm talking about the helmet. I'm talking about the shield. I'm talking about the sword. I'm talking about the breastplate. I'm talking about the belt, the belt of truth, church. You are called to put it all on. And you are called to live the life that God has brought you to. And it is a battleground. So stop fighting without the full armor of God, church. It is readily available to every single person who knows Christ Jesus. It's available to us all. So I want you to know, church, after the battle, you will not be defeated. The Bible says you will be standing firm. The enemy will not be triumphant because you will be standing firm, the Bible says. And so why will be standing firm? Because greater is he that is in us than he, little h, who is living in the world. I want you to recognize, church, you're not fighting for victory. You're fighting from victory. We are already victorious in Christ Jesus. So this morning, we have to rise up. We have to recognize who we are in Christ. And we got to get at it, church. We got to get at it. Maybe this morning you're like, I've tried to fight and I can't. Then I ask you this question. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Because if you haven't, you're trying to do it on your own and you will fail. You're not going to make it. The Bible tells us who is going to make it, those who are in Christ Jesus. So this morning, if there's anybody in this room, if you, if you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to tell you what, draw that line in the sand today and say, you know what, this is what I want for my life. I want to be victorious. I want to be standing firm. And it only comes from recognizing him for who he is as your Lord and Savior, church. So this morning, if that is for you, I want to encourage you. You come up front. Kim will be up here. The elders will be up here. It's simple. We make it too hard, church. You admit that who you are, that you are a sinner, and that you struggle and you fall short of the glory of God, as it tells us in Romans chapter 3. You confess that sin. You ask for forgiveness. You invite Jesus Christ in your heart, and then you follow him in Christian baptism as we are commanded. And then he gives you the life that you need. Then, church, you can put on that full armor because that's where it comes from. So if that's for you, I want to encourage you to come on up front and let us pray for you. Let us explain to you. You don't have to know it all. You don't have to be perfect. And for the rest of you believers that are here, listen to me. If you're trying to fight this battle alone, you are going to get knocked around like you wouldn't believe. Are you putting on your full armor? Are you going to war confident, confident in who you are in Christ Jesus, knowing that I will still be standing firm when the battle is done? So how about it, church? Let's stand together and let's sing. But I want to encourage you to respond this morning.